Thank you so much for joining in to today's podcast from Caleb Perkins Ministry. We pray that today's podcast will be uplifting and encouraging in your walk with the Lord. Now here's today's podcast. What's going on, everyone? So glad to have you all with us today. Today, you got the man, the myth, the legend. I guess you'd be also, you know. Wait a minute. The, yeah, you took Josh's title. I know. Yep. He's going to be so upset. It's okay. <laughs> he'll he'll get over it. <laughs> Just so you know, I am not the man, the myth, the legend. Are you not? No, that's Josh. Oh, that's Josh. Oh, this is uh, Sir Trenton of Gill. Oh, Sir Trenton of Gill. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> man, the myth, the legend, Sir Trenton of Gill. <laughs> the four. Josh most is like, hey now, what's up? We're gonna have to battle for the title. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, humble the, looks good on him. It so does. It'll be all right. It does. He'll he'll wear it very well. He'll be like, hey, you know what? The thing with titles is you always got to defend them, you know? <laughs> and he'll come with some profound thing, and you'll be like, well, I see that, you know? It's like, hey, this year you're the heavyweight champion in boxing, and then next year you get beat up, and someone takes your title, and now you got to fight them again, so. <laughs> that happens. Never-ending battle, so, yeah. Well, today uh, I want to talk about what is ministry. What does ministry look like and uh, some practical applications on going forward, uh, especially in the ministry that God has called you into, whatever that looks like, um, and kind of give you some some background on what we believe and perceive that the Holy Spirit is is leading us into on what ministry looks like. What do you think it, it looks like, Sir Trenton of Gill? <laughs> I think it looks like a whole bunch of different things. A whole bunch <laughs> of different things. <laughs> it is definitely not uh, one little shape that everyone has to fit. If that were the case, I don't think Jesus would have chosen the disciples he did. <laughs> <laughs> he might have been like, uh, sorry, you don't fit the mold there, especially Peter. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of work with that one. I think, think we'll grab the other ones, maybe leave him back. Absolutely. Even with the fact that he chose Judas. Mm-hmm. knowing yep. what Judas would have done. Um, ministry looks a whole lot different for a whole lot of people. So, well, gosh, even that's an example of ministry right there. So when the woman, I don't remember where this is in Scripture, but a uh, woman used an expensive perfume to r- wipe it all over Jesus' feet, and right. Judas got angry yeah, because mm-hmm. he said, no, we could have used that money for yeah. this and that and this. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I don't know if that's what he really would have wanted to use the money for, but right. that's what he said. And Jesus said, no, this is this is ministry. What she's doing is good. Yeah, and it's, and it's okay. And honestly, he was like, hey, and if you knew what was going on in this, you would have a lot more understanding, you know? And I think that that is the big thing about, um, you know, having the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you is that it's not always going to look like it does for other people, and that's okay. You know, I was I, I was raised in the church, and so, you know, I've been in a lot of different types of churches, but there there are kind of themes that go on, and I've seen things that I was like, mm, that's more religion and tradition, right? When they when yeah. they try to change you to fit a mold or to be a, a cookie cutter of somebody else type deal, you know, and it's like you're 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 not an original you, you, and the thing is, is that the Holy Spirit needs to flow through you as the original you that you are, that God created you to be like that. When I first started preaching, I would sit there and try to mimic preaching like certain ministers, like televangelists that I heard, and I'd be like, and I tell you, uh, I'm going to tell you, uh, the glory of the Lord, you know? And it was like, that wasn't me. That was them. And yeah. it, you know, and it just made me look like an imposter. 
Which, to the degree I was, because I wasn't authentically who God's called me to be. He's like, no, I never called you to do that. It's like, be who I've called you to be. Are you okay with that? Well, yeah, Lord, you created me like that. So I'd like to talk about John chapter 4, and here we have the Samaritan woman at the well. And this is after uh, she has the encounter with Jesus. And here in verse 25, it says, Then the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And 26, Jesus says to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples had come back, and they marveled that he was talking with a woman, yet no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? Probably good not to question Jesus, right? And, you know, that's <laughs> probably a good, good stance for the disciples there. Here in ver- so in verse 28, it says, And then the woman left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come see the man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples argued with him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything? (laughs) Anything to eat? You know, it's like, obviously, this is where the disciples are. They're always thinking physically, right? And Jesus is always sitting there, No, man, it's in the Spirit. Like, (laughs) <laughs> I'm eating spiritual food. All right, I got to explain these things to him. So he does in 34. And Jesus said to him, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do not say there do do you not say there are still 4 months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the field, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. So Jesus is explaining to them the, uh, the law of sowing and reaping and how one can sow and one can reap. And just off of that, I'm sitting there, he's explaining to them the food that in which he's eating, right? He goes and he says, hey, this is actually in the Spirit because I'm doing the will of my Father who has sent me. And he's like, this satisfies me to my core. And then he explains to them further about sowing and reaping, which he, it, what did he do? He just sowed this woman into the village, right? She was a seed that is now about to produce a harvest because now she's going into the city and telling all of the men in the city, listen, this guy told me everything that I had done. So in 29 it says, And many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the words of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritan had come to him, they argued him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. So Jesus ends up actually staying two days in this city and gets the invitation to come in here and preach and minister to these people through the testimony of the the Samaritan woman at the well. So what did ministry look like for her? Ministry looked like a changed life and a commission by Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Even though um, he may not have exactly told her go preach all this but he knew he she was going to do it because yeah. she had a changed life 
Um, you know, Jesus didn't write down on a piece of uh, parchment, uh, you have now just graduated the seminary <laughs> of Jesus Christ. Here At the you well. go. <laughs> At the well. This is the seminary at the well. Go, therefore, and start your ministry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nope. What did ministry look like, you know? And I think so often, man, we make it so complicated when it is it is supposed to be very organic and natural yeah. and be led by the Spirit. How quickly ministry started and began. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't after four years of Bible college and seminary, and it was after an immediate life change. Yeah. And... And you're seeing instantaneous fruit from it. Like, G- Jesus encounters, they have this, in th- there's this encounter with Jesus. She's on fire. She goes into the city, tells the men her testimony, right? We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. She tells the testimony to them, and then they come to see themselves Christ, and they hear from him. And it doesn't even say that. Jesus' words compelled them that he was the Messiah. It says the words of the woman. The, it was the woman's words that brought them there for them to even hear him. Absolutely. That's what a life change will do. <laughs> I mean, so what? She had five husbands or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, everybody knew that. And that's why she was at the well by herself anyway. Right. So she was ashamed. She didn't feel like she was worthy enough to do anything. She did not feel worthy enough to go gather water with the other women in the village let alone go back into the village and tell them about Christ. Yeah, the very people who probably rejected her. Yeah, oh, absolutely, and talked about her. They all knew her. Of course they're going to believe her now. Yeah. She had that, what do you call it, just the the new, it's a new life. Yeah. It's a new living. There's a fire and a grit, you know, and you see that in, in in, like, new converts. That's why, like, I love seeing people who were, so in the world, and then the Lord just the, it comes in and changes their life. They are unstoppable. You know, it's not until religion comes in and tries to crush them and their, and their fiery spirit that they lose that. They, they can maintain it. And I've met people that, man, they, had, they have not lost it, and they've maintained it the whole time, and they've been able to fulfill the call that God has had on their life because they did not allow religion or tradition to come in and to crush that fire. What would it look like if the disciples stopped her on her way to the village and was like, oh, no, 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 we're followers of his. We've been walking with him for a long time. <laughs> you don't need to go and tell the people in the, in the village. You know what I mean? They could have stopped that. But no, man, she was determined. She just, she left her water pot at the well, and she goes in there. The very reason she went there, she left that at the well, and she ran into that village telling all the men, the men who had undoubtedly told bad words on her, slandered her, you know, spread all this types of gossip around throughout the city. Everybody knew her. I mean, you know, we think of towns like there's, you know, millions of people living in the towns like we're thinking New York City. It's like, no, man, this is this is Middle Eastern town. And when there is someone that has that type of reputation that's in there, everybody knows it. It's like those small country towns, you know, everybody knows every. Oh, you're one of them. You know, they know you by your last name. They're like, oh, you're a gill? Oh, watch out for them gills, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what What ministry is not. It's mm-hmm. definitely not, uh, like it said with the Pharisees, how they studied the scriptures because they believed in those they would find life in them, yet they yeah. would devour widows' houses, and Jesus had to openly, publicly rebuke them. And actually, an entire chapter of it, Matthew chapter 23, he just lays into them. Yeah. 
You know, and I find that so interesting <laughs> that when Jesus is bringing harsh correction and rebuke on people, it's always the religious. It it was not it was not the people that you would think because it is so contrary, right? You would sit there and think, well, Jesus would missile kick this woman at the well down the well, be like, oh, you're so sinful, you know. But yeah. he never did that. No, it's not Sparta. <laughs> no, he did. He did not <laughs> Sparta kick her into the well. <laughs> he does the opposite. What does he do? He brings her in and says, no, I am he. And then she's like, what? Woo. She goes right into the village telling everyone. And then those words that she told is what brings the change and the transformation into that situation. And, you know, just for those that would be listening, um, you know, you might be sitting there, okay, well, how do I apply this to my life? What does that mean? What does that even look like as far as ministry goes? I believe that if you are a born-again believer of Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within you, that same Holy Spirit wants to do ministry. What that looks like will be completely different, and this is why we have to seek the Lord individually for ourselves, right? We can't just rely on religious institutions. We can't rely on religious organizations to tell us what to do. We have to actively seek God and find out what He has for us so that we can fulfill those things, because ministry is going to look different for every single person. Every single person, and everybody has a past, which brings me to my next point here. So you said John 4. Mm -hmm. I'm going to one-up you, sir. I'm going to go to number 5. This is Mark chapter 5. Oh, I see. (laughs) Mark 5. Jesus took his disciples to the land of the Gerasenes, where there was a demonic-possessed man. And mm-hmm. he, after he cast out the demon in him, um, this guy implored Jesus that he might accompany him, go with him. Nice. And cool. instead of Jesus mm-hmm. saying, okay, now I have another disciple that comes with me, he said, no, go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. So that was not rejection. Jesus turned him into an evangelist. Yeah. And he did ministry because it says in Mark 5, verse 20, and he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis what great things Jesus had done for him, and everyone was amazed. Yeah. Come on. And you know what? This this is so contrary to what you would think naturally, right? It's natural yeah. that this man would desire to be one of the disciples of Christ, like follow him. He's like, yeah, he just got this life change. He's like, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to serve you. And Jesus is like, hold up. I got a better idea for you. You're actually going to stay here and tell your testimony to everybody who knew you here, who knew you here. Why? Because they're going to see the transformation in you and know that I'm real. Yes. (laughs) And so in both John 4 and Mark 5, we see an example of how ministry does not have to be, I need to go all the way across the world to do this. Right. I don't have to sit in three years of seminary. <laughs> I don't have to wait to get this giant thing of paper. Here's the thing. If, you, if you're if you waiting for all of those things to feel like you're validated or qualified for ministry, they will never qualify you or validate you for ministry. The only thing that validates you for going and doing any form or type of ministry is the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads you, guides you, directs you, speaks to you, go do it. And what does that look like? Well, it could look like a four-walled church in a pulpit, but most often than not, I, I've, I've come to find out that it is more of those gas station encounters. It's more of those, you're going to visit your neighbor, and you just begin telling them what God has done in your life, and they're like, what? Yeah, because they've never met anyone like you, never met anyone with a relationship like you, And but religion will say this, stay in your church, stay in your four walls, 
Don't go out. It's just you. You know, the world's wicked, and so you need to just be a bunch of light hiding in a building. It's like, actually, Scripture is against that. Scripture says, don't hide yourself. Don't hide your light. Go out there. <laughs> go set the darkness on fire. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. It's exciting. And what is not ministry? Again, so the guy who got possessed and got healed mm-hmm. and set free from Jesus. Right. I mean, what the Pharisees, the religious people would have done is said, well, cite all the scriptures for me. Now, you may feel like you don't know the Bible that well. Yeah. Maybe you're new in your walk, mm-hmm. your journey. That guy was new, but you know what you can't take away? His testimony. That's right. Come on. His testimony. And it didn't matter that he didn't know he could recite all the scrolls of Isaiah at mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. You know, he had a lot to learn, sure, but he was set on fire and he was actually, his ministry began at his new life, mm-hmm. which, you know, you bring up the woman at the well and she goes to Samaria. Mm-hmm. That calls to my mind the Good Samaritan. Right. You know, this is actually ministry as well. Everybody else walked by, even the religious people. Yeah. They didn't do a thing. Mm-hmm. Who did the ministry? The Good Samaritan. Right. And, you know, and it, and it, it always looks, uh, I th- often it looks contrary to what you would think naturally, right? You think, uh, oh, man, you know, God's called me into ministry. This is what it has to look like. And I just want to encourage the people that are listening to this. If God's calling you and he's saying he's speaking ministry to you, he's speaking these different things to you, don't run ahead of yourself with your own mind and your own thinking trying to fulfill those things. Get deeper into prayer. Get deeper into the Word and pray and seek His face and find out He will give you answers to it. You know, we can run ahead of God and try to do something in our own strength, and it's something God's never called us in in the, in the first place. I've, uh, I've had uh, several people that I've done ministry counseling with, and uh, they've been pastors of churches and things, and I've sat down and I said, well, well, did God tell you to be here and to do this? And they were like, no, I just saw the need, and I just did this. Here's the thing. There's a need literally everywhere. So if you do things based off of needs and not God sending you, you will spend your life not actually getting to where God has actually called you to be. You know, and I told him, I said, well, you need to pray and see if this is where God's called you to be. And turn out, uh, come to find out, it was actually an elder of the church was supposed to be the pastor of the church, and this pastor was actually supposed to go into the marketplace and to start a business, and through the business, he's been able to evangelize and witness to a ton of people. So I'm like, man, be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Don't just say, well, there's an opportunity here, I'm just going to do this, because you'll get yourself tired. Is it is it a good thing or is it a God thing? Like, be obedient to the Spirit. And, you know, just like the demoniac, when he got changed and transformed, he was not the same, you know? And, of course, he was on fire and eager to follow Christ. And he's like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. I'm going to do this. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You're going to take this fire you have right now, and you're going to go give your story to all the people who knew you. They're going to know you, right? That's like the, the people that you see that were in the world so much that they get radically saved, and they go back and they're starting to witness to their friends, and they're like, dude, what happened to you? I found Jesus, you know? And it's like, apparently, you are not the same person. You are completely different. <laughs> not the same person at all. Oh, my. What? So what does ministry look like for people? A lot of people think you have to follow a certain protocol, a certain procedure, do certain things. Um, I mean, to me, ministry is summed up in exactly what Moses said 
in Exodus chapter 33, verse 15, when he said to God, if your presence does not go with us, don't lead us up from there. Yeah. Don't I don't want to go there if right. you're not going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> um, because you can do your own thing yeah. and call it ministry, but if that's not what God had in mind for you to do, mm-hmm. you can completely miss the mark. Yeah. I even I heard a uh, minister say one time, he's like, oftentimes we're in a mess and we're asking God to bless our mess, <laughs> right? Because we ran ahead of God. And so we're now we're like, God, we're in trouble. We just need you to bless it. And he's like, I'll never bless that because I never started it, nor did I want it started. I actually need you to finish that, sever it, and move on, right? And it's like, <laughs> oh, okay. And, you know, and I love that that passage in Exodus where Moses is like, hey, if you're not coming with us, we're not going. We're going to stay where you're at. Right, we're not going ahead of you. We're not going to be behind you. We're going to be with you, and and I think that that is kind of that foreshadowing of Jesus too. God with us, and the Holy Spirit is with us. We see the Trinity in action and in movement in our lives, and you know, and I, and I just want to encourage the people that are listening. Man, seek the Holy Spirit and find out what ministry looks like for you. There is things, there is objectives and goals and and souls that God has for you to to minister to. There are divine appointments there, and it might not be in the church setting. That's okay. Don't actually, I would encourage you not to look for those things in the church setting. Go look for them out in the communities. Go look for them next door. And it's like, they, they might even be in your family. In your own family. There is ministry to do in your own family. Uh, there is definitely ministry to do in the own family. That's for certain. But if you are listening to this, uh, me and Trent, we just really want to encourage you, whatever that that uh, level of ministry, whatever that looks like in your life, man, go and, and do what God has called you to do. You know, don't let your own knowledge hold you back. Don't let your, you know, insecurities hold you back. Don't let fear hold you back. Man, get into the Word. Seek the Lord and find out what He what He is desiring for you to do. It says that God has created good works that we should walk in them. So as we seek Him, we're able to walk in them. Be led by the Spirit. Romans 8, 14, those that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God, man. We've got to realize that we need to be led by the Spirit and not do our own thing on what we think is right, but we know that the Lord is leading us. And a lot of times it does not look like what your natural mind thinks right looks like. It's like, oh, no, it has to be this. No, it's it's most likely not like that. Yeah, and oftentimes what you perceive to be ministry is safe, whereas sometimes God will lead you into what is not safe. Right. Um, not to say his protection won't be with you, and get right. you out of it, mm-hmm. but oftentimes, well, like the disciples themselves, they were given instructions, and they went and they preached, but they got beat for it. Yeah. They got imprisoned for it. Yeah. I um, mean, even Paul, I mean, shipwrecked and whipped and robbed, and I mean, <laughs> people want to say, well, what does ministry look like? Well, let's read here with what Paul <laughs> went through. It's like, well, that was ministry for him. I'm not saying this is going to happen to you, but uh, yeah. it could. <laughs> it very well could. So you need to do that that careful contrast of what ministry definitely does look like according to Scripture and then what yeah. ministry definitely does not look like according to Scripture. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to be those religious people who only want the best seats and they're just out for praise for people. But at the same time, we don't want to actively go out and 
do things just because we think it's ministry, but then we're just causing harm. Yeah. It's a, it's a delicate balance, but that's why we need to be led by the Spirit. Yeah. There is a, a definitely a delicate balance, and when you think about your interactions, you know, a lot of people, would, you know, I, I believe I said this on one of the previous episodes, is, you know, God can can have you go and, say, give money to somebody, or to just say something kind to someone else, and in, in those specific words that you give to them end up wrecking them, and that is the Holy Spirit leading you. That is a form of ministry, right? And, you know, and I want to just encourage you guys that this doesn't mean like, hey, you're going to your neighbor's house and you beat them with a Bible and you do a 35-minute message and you're like, no, did you get my three points and my takeaways? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, man, God forbid that be the case. Go over there showing the love of Christ, right? Exuding the character, nature, and image of Christ. The Scripture even tells us to put on Christ. Like, you are ambassadors of Jesus. Live that way. Live that way. Live like you are being a representative of the kingdom of heaven, because you are, right? The reality is we are sons and daughters, and we were bought and paid for by a price. The blood of Christ, that is the, that is the price that was paid for us. Even in Romans 8, it would say that we are debtors, not to the flesh. So who are we debtors to? We're debtors to the Spirit, because we have been paid, bought and paid for by a high price, and we, it is our reasonable service. To be like, Lord, here I am. Send me, use me, whatever that looks like. Whatever that looks like. And oftentimes, hey, even ministers get ministered to. Yes. Um, there has been a few times where someone had sent me a message at just the right time because I had, you know, been down or whatever. Yeah. Life pummels you sometimes. Right. Uh, and this person didn't even realize that he or she was ministering to me right so yeah but I, I do my best at those moments to point out you are being a faithful minister mm-hmm. um i know you're trying to give me encouragement and everything because i may have helped you but now you help me <laughs> amen so, yeah it, it goes it, that's why we're a part of the body like you know and I use that analogy if you bump your elbow on something, your other arm grabs it, right? You're bleeding, you, your <laughs> hand covers it. You know, you apply pressure to it. Those members of the body cover the other members of the body. And we need each other. And I think that that is uh, a beautiful picture of us all working together to fulfill the Great Commission. And, you know, the biggest thing, too, is is uh, that I pray that you guys are taking away is that Using your testimony, man, think about all the things that God has done in your life. Not just you coming into salvation, but everything that God's done into your life. And then as the Holy Spirit leads you, he may lead you to give a certain testimony to a person, right? Like, I have a lot of testimonies. Not every testimony that I give to someone that I meet on the street is the me kneeling on the bomb and God healing my body. Most of them uh, have to do with things that like financial breakthrough that God's d- done in my life or how there was, you know, uh, say offense or resentment or bitterness that happened and God came in and br- brought yeah. restoration. You know, it's like to, to in those instances, a lot of people will resonate with those. So understanding which testimony to use is going to be key too, especially if you've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time. There's so many different keys and tools that you have to be able to use to be an effective minister and to uh, and, and to speak life into people's lives. Um, I also am 
thinking about all the people who maybe think that they are less than and they're not capable of being ministers or ministering to others. Some people that came to mind was like when we talked about mm-hmm. the uh, person who was lame yeah. and he got lowered down into the roof. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't even realize he was about to minister to a bunch of people. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. You will never know what your story can do to reveal God's glory. Another person, Mashiba's chef, mm-hmm. uh, I think he was Jonathan's son. Jonathan's son, yeah. Um, he was lame. Yeah. He had an accident and everything else. But now the Bible does not like highlight him mm-hmm. as a main character. But if you actually go and read through his story, he will minister to you because yeah. of his faithfulness. Mm-hmm. And that kind of puts you in check, and you're like, man, if he can be faithful, certainly I can be. Yeah. And then you'll see someone like Nick Wojcik, who had tetraamelia syndrome, no arms, no legs, right. and yet he is a minister. Right. Traveling preacher. Yeah. Yeah, you're not less than. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are definitely most certainly capable of being a minister. Yeah. And, and I find, too, Trenton, that a lot of times the enemy will plague the mind of people and tell them that they're not good enough, or nobody, or or what if they knew? What if they knew where you came from? And I'm like, man, that is one of the biggest, uh, I think, shams in in the church, is that people sit next to somebody for 20, 30 years in a church, and they don't know anything about what God has done in the life of the person that's sitting next to them. I'm like, and then you say, we're family. I'm like, that is not family. <laughs> like, if I'm family, I know everything about you. I know your shoe size. I know your birthday. I know what you've gone through. I was there when this happened, when that happened. Like, if we're real kingdom family, we need to know these things. And those testimonies, it's like, why is that important? Well, if I know someone who's been delivered from XYZ, well, when we get somebody that comes in the church that has that, well, I can link them with them, and yeah. boom, they can give their testimony. It so fits, and it's, and it's the body ministering to the body, right? It's not like... Oh, well, nobody's, because the, the biggest, I'd say, the fallacy that uh, unbelievers have when they come into the church is that, one, God can never forgive them of what they've done, and that the people in the church are nothing like Christ. And to some degree, it's like, well, in their own mind, that is true. But then when they come into the church and they see a body of believers in ecclesia that are able to say, you know what, no, we're not perfect. No, God has delivered us. We are now new creations. All that stuff is is passed away. Now we're stepping into these new things. You are qualified. You are uh, commissioned and validated by God. He wants. He has good things in store for you. And this is now your reasonable service. You know, link arms with me. Let's go do ministry. <laughs> you know, it's like, man, you change the world like that. You change the region like that. What a body could do if it actually operated together. Amen. Well, we pray that this episode has encouraged you. It has uplifted you. Uh, As always, it has been a pleasure. Have a phenomenal day. Thank you so much for joining in today's episode. If you would like to learn more about Caleb Perkins Ministries, please go to www.calebperkinsministries.com.